1: Learn more at marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nord Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome to Purple Daily from the wet once again Minnesota State Fair. As it looked like it was sunny and it was going to be a nice day, and then the skies have uh, opened up here uh, at the fair. So if you want a poncho, we have them over. If you're three dollars uh, in front of us, three, all you have to pay three dollars to get a poncho. Uh, it's kind of like weird because it's sunny and yet it's pouring. So, this is a very strange situation for Purple Daily at the moment. That is Judd Zolgad. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone will be showing up here for hour number two with the two of us and a lot to discuss about the offensive line. And I also want to know just what Alex thinks about this team and how good they are, and I'm sure we'll always get into some fun stories. And plus, Alex was a guy I really want to hear from on the Andrew Luck thing because he battled a lot of injuries throughout his career to even get on the field, Mm -hmm. and I don't think people always realize how much guys have to do to
0: get themselves out there. Do you think uh, if Alex Boone had decided to retire, and, and he was on the sideline, not dressed for a game. And it got out. Yeah. And he was super popular. And he's leaving, and fans booed him. I think Alex would go double birds right there. Uh, yeah, could be. Don't you? Yep. Yeah, I don't. I think Alex would have put up with about two seconds of hearing boos and been like, <laughs> "Hey, here's what I think of you." Back,
1: uh, if you've never heard him before, we had him on the station uh, once before earlier this year, and he was outstanding breaking down football and talking about his career and, and some of the people that he knows in the game. So if your perception of Alex Boone was that he was a lunatic, well, that's true to some extent. Um, but I think you'd be uh, pleasantly surprised to hear him break down the game. So we're going to do that at 3 o'clock here on Purple Daily. But, uh, Judd, I want to know where you want to start, because I have things that don't matter, like <laughs> things to report well, first from of all, practice it, that don't no, really see, matter. Don't.
0: You... you I have been covering camp now f- for such an extended period of time, and I used to fall into the same thing. You think it doesn't matter, but people who tune into the show actually do oh, care. Okay. So I'm going All to right. ask you some questions about things that you might be slightly bored of or okay. think that people don't care about, All right. but that people actually do care about. Fourth preseason game on Thursday. Right there. Right there. Okay. That's what,
1: r- going that's... into it.
0: Going into it, though. Do I have to answer these questions yes. about the fourth preseason game? Yes. Serious question for you. <laughs> What is, beyond the kicking and punting conundrum there, what is the coaching staff actually going to look for as Mm -hmm. it cuts down to 53? And I will say this. I'm intrigued because you might carry an extra kicker slash punter, and I'm also intrigued, as bored as you are of Slaughter, that roster position actually gets into a murky area. So not him, but the position itself. Do they go three quarterbacks? Do they um, go two quarterbacks and an extra kicker slash punter because they sent a fifth-round pick for him? Do they jettison everybody and decide to keep a special teams guy, which in 2019 actually is probably the smart move?
1: Uh, Okay, so let me start with... Uh, Got well, all that? What they're looking for first for this fourth preseason game? I mean, number one, we know that the BC Johnson thing is decided; that he is on the team today. It was actually great today, coming off the practice field. BC Johnson was walking next to Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, they were all yucking it up together. Oh yeah, we're great wide receivers. And so, <laughs> like, okay, we know BC Johnson <laughs> has won himself a job when he's practicing with the starters and he's hanging out with Diggs and Thielen. So he's in, mm-hmm. and he's made some really nice plays during the preseason. But I think it's more than that as it always is uh that he is a really bright guy and i and i think that uh the Players have kind of latched on to that with him, that he's picked up on the offense quickly and he's got good hands and he can run routes. It's always about the details, and he's that guy. In fact, I think he's going to be our Mr. Mankato because of this, because during practice and meetings and everything else, he's been really good around the team. And then when it's come to the preseason game, he's made a few plays. He had a couple big catches the other day. The two-point conversion that he went up and got was a catch from everybody's best TV angle, but they didn't reverse it. But, I mean, if you see that, the guy makes this off-balance catch, he gets his feet down, you're pretty impressed with that and the way he's played in the games. And then the other stuff, uh, he's passed all those tests. So now there's one spot left, really, unless they're going to keep six receivers, which I don't think they will. So is it Brandon Zilstra? Can Jeff Badette get healthy enough before this game to actually get out there? He's constantly injured. My guess is no way. No. And then the Laquan Treadwell thing becomes kind of interesting because you look at it and Treadwell has played a lot of special teams in the past, so he's got experience in doing that. And I'm not saying that I think he'll make the team. I think he's going to get cut. But there might be a case for keeping him around because cutting him does not really save you any type of cap space. So if you were going to say, here's an experienced receiver, as bad as he may have been, who can play special teams... And if you forget the fact that he's a first-round draft pick, he might be, sadly, a better option than all these other guys. Because aside from B.C. Johnson, yeah. Zilstra has one NFL catch in a real game last year and played special teams. And then all the other guys, Dylan Mitchell, I thought I had high hopes for with Dylan Mitchell because of the numbers he put up at Oregon. He but got cut today, correct? No, that was uh, Jordan Taylor. Oh, Jordan got Taylor. Cut okay. Today, yeah. Okay. And, and I never had any thoughts about Jordan Taylor. I mean, from the very beginning when they put on pads, he just looked like another guy out there, except for with long hair. And maybe somebody said something nice about him in OTAs for uh, there to be some mild excitement. That you know, a lot of times you get this. Well, he played with Gary Kubiak, so he's going to make the team. Like, yeah. Well, not no. if he's bad yeah. through all of. Uh, training camp and preseason. So he's already out. Mm-hmm. Alexander Hollins, Davion Davis, these guys have barely gotten into any games. And there might be a spot for practice squad for one of these guys. Maybe Dylan Mitchell is the, the practice squad because he's the seventh-round pick. But aside from that, it's basically, I look at it as it's Brandon Zilstra or can Laquan Treadwell do enough to keep his job because there's no – Uh, interest out there to trade for him clearly he was out on the trade block and nobody made that phone call so in my mind because the head coach also volunteered up after a
0: game that they were trying to but unless unless
1: as a coaching staff you are tired of the guy and i don't get the sense that he's a bad guy and i don't get the sense that he's lazy i think he's a hard-working guy from everything that i've heard so there he's played special teams before you might as well keep him so, so I, I, at this five, point, I don't see a reason so to six, let him go. He's, five, he's probably five. Five or six? Okay. Yeah, I don't see where it benefits you at all. It doesn't benefit your salary cap. Uh, it, it, having someone less experienced to play special teams or go in there probably doesn't help you. And that's the sad state of the other receivers. I'm not saying he's done anything to earn it because he definitely hasn't. It's just... If you're not keeping Zilstra and he wasn't practicing with the first team, so he's right. clearly competing still for his job, then you probably are keeping Treadwell. If I were if I were to put down the bets, I would say they keep Zilstra. I just think they might get to the end of this and go, I don't know. Why don't we just Why don't we just play this out the last year of his contract? And
0: if he's got to play, then something bad happened. So if if you were to place a bet on it, the depth chart at receiver would go Thielen, Diggs, B.B. Um, Johnson. Johnson, and then either Treadwell, Treadwell or Zilstra. Yeah. Okay, so do do you think they keep five? Uh, I think.
1: Do you they think they stop,
0: stop at five? I think because, they stop
1: at five because they're yeah. they're going to
0: keep more tight yeah. ends probably. Well, that's where I don't know because David Morgan has. See how much there's talk about I know, him. I know, I know. You see, know.
1: but this is all this is all like so deep in the weeds that it's sort of interesting to me. But I'm not. It's sure the fourth preseason game. This coming. is
0: yeah, but, but but there's going to be jobs. The only thing with this team, especially because of the depth, the only thing to me that matters at this point is. Let's say roster positions 48 through 53, if that, 50 through 53, by 3 o'clock on
1: Saturday. Yeah, well, you're going to have – so here's what we were talking about out there today – the, just the reporters, is are we going to get surprised by anybody? Because last year it was a mild surprise that Terrence Newman retired. And I was very taken aback by the fact that they cut Brian Robinson and made a big mistake, in my opinion. After seeing what happened to that locker room, after what they dealt with with Everson Griffin, I felt like they made a big mistake in cutting Brian Robinson last year and got a little too cute. They, they were talking about how, oh, we want to have this defensive line rotation so we got to keep Tashawn Bauer who can't play, basically. And, and, and you get rid of someone who's proven, who's great in the locker room, who's a captain for a lot of his career. I think that they overthought that one last year. And now I look at the roster and say, okay, would there be a surprise cut here? And I really struggle to find one. I mean, early on you might have said, if Everson Griffin doesn't look really good, right. then this could be the guy. But Stephen Weatherly has not lit anything on fire. Uh, he's not yeah, uh, yeah he's yeah, To he's me, to yeah, me right, he's just right. a guy. And right. Afadi Adenobo's been pretty good, but he's not going to steal Everson Griffin's job. So I'm looking around, and I don't really see that drama as we go into cut-down day of what would you know, be is the somebody biggest gonna shock? Surprise Us, Man, I don't even know. I think, sadly, the biggest shock would be if they cut Corey Vedvik. And, and there's a good case to cut Corey Vedvik. He shanks two kicks the other day. Oh, our camera oh, just broke. That's that's not that good. can't be good for anybody. Where's um, Where's Seth? We so got problems. We got problems. Camera broke. I hope we weren't like on. I hope that wasn't Twitter expensive. Something. Yeah. My guess is it um, was ex-
0: incredibly expensive.
1: Probably. So, uh, you know, we they trade the fifth round pick for Corey Vedvik, and yeah. everyone automatically thinks, okay, he's taking somebody's job for sure. But he had to come here and prove that he deserved to take someone's job, and he didn't punt very well, and he didn't kick very well at all, as you saw him miss the two kicks and Matt Weil comes out and punts really well in that game on uh, Saturday. So now I look at it as if uh, Matt Weill punts halfway decently in this game against Buffalo on Thursday, then Corey Vedvik is gone, and then we have to debate, well, was it worth trading a fifth-round pick for And the
0: obvious answer is, of course it wasn't.
1: No, I was going to say, there's, <laughs> no de- there's no
0: debate there. If you cut him three weeks after trading a fifth-round
1: pick for him... Uh- I think you look silly. And, and not knowing when you trade for him, if he's a kicker or punter, so he, it's this sideshow of him going
0: out to kick and I, him going out to punt, that was, that's ludicrous too. I thought we were all upset, or Mike was upset, that Matt Weil was not a good holder either. Is B.B. just going to hold now? Have we solved? Because if you've solved all these problems internally, then this was a monumental waste of time. And for, uh, for a GM that tells us how important these fifth-round draft picks are, And I'm sure, believe me, he'll get it back. He'll trade the next 17 second-round picks or something. But, yeah, there's no defense of that. And I realize it's a fifth-round pick, so I'm personally not going to get all up in arms about this. But, man, they sure tell us how important those picks are to have traded one, and then three weeks after the fact, which is why, by the way, I think Vedvik makes the initial roster. You think so? You
1: think they're going to cut Matt Weil?
0: Um, but, but no, so no, no, You no. think all three? I of them? think all three are going to say they a kickoff special, and they keep and to, to go back to to what I said off the top of the show. Oh, I think that's when you keep two quarterbacks. Yeah, like the slower yeah. thing, I could easily see being done. Yeah, um, no, I think that there's a very good chance that they try and justify this by saying, "Vedvik's got a better leg. He's going to kick off. He's going to attempt deep, long field goals, right?" Wild stays. But he came up short on a 55-yarder. Dan Bailey can hit from 52-53. But, but you know the egos involved yeah. here. And if three weeks after the fact, to jettison a guy yeah. who you traded a what you consider to be a valuable draft pick for. That's a lot of egg. I think Zimmer would do it in a heartbeat, by I think the
1: way. It mo- I think it looks, this is an interesting question, does it look more ridiculous if you cut him after trading for him or more ridiculous if you keep all three? I think all three. That reminds me of when a hockey team will somehow end up with three goalies on the roster. You're like, okay, if you've got three, you must have none, right? Yeah. Like you clearly have not figured this out. It's two quarterbacks. And it would be the same thing here. If you have three specialists, you have no specialists – I think Matt Weil, from his body of work last year, did fine overall as a punter. Dan Bailey, you're going to have to take your your chances with him, because Vedvik finally gets in the game and misses the field goals, and when he kicked the 55 yarder, it looked like it was his first try ever. I mean, the timing was all off, and then he was short on it, and and it was like, okay, well, you can't trust this guy going out there. I'd, I'd take my chances with Dan Bailey, who's one of the more accurate kickers of all time overall, and sputtered last year, than I would for a guy who's never done it in a real game before. I think there's a pretty good case to just eat the fifth round pick and say you know what we tried we gave it a shot we thought he had a chance to beat somebody out and he didn't oh well I mean if you think about okay so Stefan Diggs was
0: a fifth round pick but think about what fifth round picks usually mean you're making sense I I just know how how Spielman and the Vikings think yeah and to come back three weeks after being I'm sure they were incredibly proud right not only did, did we get this big-legged young kicker, but we blocked the Bears from getting him. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm sure that there, there was this, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Hubris. There, there was yes. this yes. egan hubris about we stopped it from happening. And now you, what you're saying makes perfect sense, but with how the Vikings think... I could easily see, but the, the one thing that I would love to hear is I would love to hear the conversation around noon on Saturday between the GM and coach, yeah. because there's no way that the coach is going to say, yeah, that's a great idea, let's keep three specialists. The coach can't stand two
1: specialists. Especially if Vedvik does not kick well on Thursday, and what uh, the special teams coordinator, Barwin Maloof, said today was that they want to have both Bailey and Vedvik kick and this I mean it's just goofy like you know exactly what you have with Dan Bailey if he misses one or makes one on Thursday night what difference does that make with him you should continue to have Vedvik do all the kicking yeah. maybe he was just nervous the other night or something or maybe something mechanical went wrong and, and he makes four field goals and then you decide you like him better but you're dealing with Like, the tiniest shreds of sample sizes. This is like deciding on a baseball player based on a weekend series. I mean, you've seen Dan Bailey do this for years and years. To me, there's no reason to even have a competition with the kicker. It's about whether he can out-punt the other guy. And at that point, it becomes... That's what I was going to say. What's the competition here? But but at that point, it becomes way less interesting to me. Like, I don't care who punts. But what's the competition, then? Punter? I, I don't know. Do we know? Do they know? I don't know if they know. If they're going to have both guys kicking field goals on Thursday night for their jobs, then it's clear that they don't even know yet.
0: Yeah, it is a, it
1: is a goofy situation. Okay,
0: I'll ask this for the last time. <laughs> Why do they do this to themselves? Yeah, I don't know.
1: I don't know. I think that they get really over-anxious, and this might happen with cutting Daniel Carlson, and he may become a really good kicker. He was r- last year for Oakland after they signed him, and they seem to be very happy with him in their uh, training camp in preseason. And so <laughs> the ironic part of it is that they probably properly scouted Daniel Carlson as a good kicker, but then... They got over-anxious when he missed the field goals in Green Bay and decided, no, we've got to get rid of him, we've got to have someone proven. And what this really speaks to, the Vedvik situation, the Daniel Carlson situation, what it really all comes back to is just that there's so much pressure on everyone all the time that you could see any type of knee-jerk reaction happening. Courtney Cronin brought this up one day, weeks ago, when we were kind of just throwing stuff out there about like what could blow up in their face or what what could happen that would be a, a bold prediction of things gone wrong for this team. And hers was that there ends up being a Stefanski-Kubiak power struggle pretty early in the season if things don't go well and the other day when Kirk Cousins goes out there and goes three for 13 and the first team offense struggles it's almost like you could feel the tension with Mike Zimmer feel the tension in the building like this is a quarterback who is going to have his ice cold starts to games who is going to have times where he's not comfortable in the pocket he always has he always will but how are they going to react when that happens so what the way they react when Bailey and Weil aren't perfect in training camp is they go trade an asset for some guy we're not even sure can play in the NFL. It's not like they went and traded for a real kicker. They traded for some guy who's a kicker slash punter who we're not even sure who could play. Who they
0: think has a huge like.
1: right? Who they but, but but then came short on his long field goal. But here's what here's what. So, I, but my question is, when that happens, is is there going to be this same sort of effect when they when they
0: do have slow times on off? But offense? this shouldn't be happening. See, here's what I don't get. They put the structure in place for 2019, in my mind, to be very smart here. Mm -hmm. Kicking consultant, Nate Kading. All right. That takes away, because the person that sets the tempo for the pressure is Zimmer. So you got a kicking consultant. All right. So the kicking consultant works with the kicker. Imagine that. Mike, don't worry about this. I, I mean, this was not a joke on my part. You hire Gary. Gary Kubiak, veteran football guy, mm-hmm. savvy football guy. He's won Super Bowls. He knows offense. He might, not, he might not be a genius, but he knows he's good. Okay, he handles cousins and the offense. Mike, don't worry about it. You, we need to – I thought what they were doing wisely, and I thought that Mike was in on the plan, was let's let Mike Zimmer do what he does best, which is defense, which, by the way, is a high-pressure, high-tempo, high-stress position. But it works there. De- defensive players are obviously very aggressive people, and when you're aggressive, it's great. But it seems to me so far, un- unless I'm reading the tea leaves, Matthew, completely wrong here, is we are now defaulting back into Mike now stressing out again yep. about stuff that we sort of took off his plate. So now he's stressed out again about the kicker. It's Dan Bailey. He's, he's like my age, okay? Don't worry about it. If he stinks, you're going to have to cut him. But this whole thing of let's bring in this kid. And by the way, the kid again makes no sense because Daniel Carlson might have been really good. But from day one, I think you said it, and I know I did, we said, why would you draft a kicker for a Mike Zimmer team? He can't stand young kickers. We know that. Okay, but, that, but now you got Vedvik. Um, the offensive thing, if this turns into a Stefanski-Kubiak sort of power struggle with Mike in the middle of it, it makes zero sense. What this should be is Gary Kubiak, mentor, Kevin Stefanski, student, Kirk Cousin prize pupil. This is how it that, should be working. how it's
1: set up. That's how it should work. It makes a lot of sense for it to be that way. And I've spent most of the offseason saying, look, they're doing things much smarter than they did last year. They overthought a lot of things last year. Remember because Philadelphia had a rotation on their defensive line, the Vikings wanted a defensive line rotation? They just had the number one defense in the NFL the year before, and they're like, no, no, we have to copy what Philly does because it's just overthinking and paranoia of, oh, I guess we missed that. So they keep guys who aren't as good on the defensive line so they can rotate them in, and it costs them early in the season Season because they had some, some bad drives with those backups coming in, and by a few games in, it's the same guys playing the whole game as they always did, and it was just a clear sign that they panicked a little bit after the NFC Championship game, and that was another part of it. We talked much more about getting Kirk Cousins after the NFC Championship game because they fell apart, but we didn't talk quite as much about you hired their quarterback coach because you were so impressed with them. You tried to copy their defensive line strategy when you didn't have the talent they had on the defensive line, And, and you botched a few of these things basically by just panicking, and this is kind of defined the Mike Zimmer era in a lot of ways aside from one year in 2017, where when things go wrong, they tend to make their mistakes. And so you come into this camp and you have your kickers not look good right away. And instead of kind of trusting that Dan Bailey's been around a long time. Right. And or, Matt, Nate K- or Nate Kading. Or Nate Nate, Nate fix this. Or that Matt Weil had a good year last year. It's, yes. oh, we, we got we to do something. We have to do something right away. And that's where I would say I worry about other parts of this. That's where I, I'm concerned if Matt Ryan has a really good week one. Is Zimmer going to try to change everything around on defense? If the Falcons' defense, um, you know, performs pretty well, and Kevin Stefanski doesn't make the best play calls in the first game, is it going to be okay? Now the pressure is on Kevin Stefanski right
0: away because then you got to go right to Green Bay. How much do you really think he's going to be ma- making the play calls alone, though?
1: Oh, he's not. I mean, I mean he's, up he's in said, the booth. said that. Yeah, he said that. I they think they Rick need Devison Mike to just go away. Yeah,
0: I like Mike, but he needs to. But if you if you recall. And this was a very small uh, speck of the problems in 2018. But, Matthew, this was our first, one of our first, and I think it was pre-Daniel Carlson complete meltdown last year, the whole the whole rotation, right? Mm-hmm. Do you recall it was after game one or two where Mike came out and said at his post-game press conference, Andre Patterson, the defensive line coach, rotated guys too much. I didn't like it. I'm fixing it. Yes, yes. But this was after the whole point was let's rotate After this. he had talked about it in the off-season, season yes.
1: and they kept – players specifically it was to like, do that. Matthew was like game one or two. It was game 1. Yeah. Okay. I remember the series because San Francisco came out and ran the same play I think like 3 times in a row and got big gains and then it was okay we're never doing that again. And that's the reactionary stuff is where they tend to get themselves I think in trouble. Uh, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, you are listening to Purple Uh Daily here, and wow, it is windy. The wind is coming through. People's hats are flying off, and our, what do you call this, our fence just went down? Our security Security fence fence. collapsed. Security has been breached here at the the, uh, Score North house, I guess. All right, so someone fix that. It's not going to be me. Uh, We'll be uh, right back. Alex Boone coming up at three as we continue to work our way toward the final preseason game, and then we can begin talking about real football. We are almost there, everyone. We will be right back here. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business, Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolged on Score North. Alex Boone will be coming by at 3 o'clock, and we'll talk a little offensive line play with Alex and uh, I'm actually going to have him pick the Vikings, Jen. I, I want to see what he comes up with. Courtney Cronin, game came by up game, with eleven and five. Yeah, I want. I want. She to have... went from ten
0: wins to eleven wins. I know. Yeah, I can't. Do, I she's... can't get there. But that was Sorry. before
1: the very sad performance the other day by the first team offense that seemed to really agitate. It's it's great because they'll make most decisions
0: not based on preseason games. But if they have a bad one, then they're really mad in the building. That passing offense. Yeah. Lo- and yes, it, it was. Minus Thielen, so I understand that, and that's an important but. It was sad. Uh, but it was, it was really bad, and, and as we talked about after the game on the Purple Podcast, the one thing to keep in mind is it went above and beyond the quarterback. Uh-huh. Like, yep. if that was just, man, Cousins was sure awful today. Yep. It, it, would be, it wouldn't be fun to have to digest that if you're a Vikings fan, but I think you'd be like, oh, okay. Um, going into the opener against Atlanta, I have real questions about pass protection.
1: Uh, Have you seen what's going on with Jadavian Clowney?
0: Uh, Yeah, he fired
1: Buzz Cook. I saw that as an agent. Brett's very upset. He fired his agent, and he still has not stepped on a football field yet, and he doesn't have a long-term contract and can't negotiate one now. So I'm not really sure what the goal is of not practicing or coming out to play. We've seen this happen before where the deadline passes and the player still doesn't show up, and it's just – like a staring contest. What what exactly are you guys doing here? Um, I would think that there would be a, a pretty easy way to get J. Davion Clowney back onto the field by signing him to a contract extension because he's really, really good. Mm-hmm. But the Houston Texans know that eventually they will have to give Deshaun Watson a boat full of cash, and that's going to make things really difficult if they are also paying guys like J. Davion Clowney top notch money. And I, I wonder, Judd, if. Some of these players have had it kind of work or really work. Antonio Brown had it really work. Not only did he get traded out of Pittsburgh where he didn't want to be anymore, but he got more money to do so. And now he's got a sponsorship for his new helmet. And, uh, by the way, I remember saying for weeks that this would get worked out, that he wasn't going to pass on $25 million over a helmet. He's not, and he's going to get more money from the helmet company to do it. So congratulations to Antonio Brown. But with Melvin Gordon, he's not playing yet. And with Javion Clowney, he's not playing yet. Elliot and Dallas. And Elliot is not playing yet either. Yep. And I guess where I'm standing is wondering just <sighs> Did players get a little too, some players maybe a little too convinced that sitting out on the sidelines was the way to handle some of these things by kind of what goes on in the NBA with players controlling their futures and also by the fact that it worked for AB and it worked for Le'Veon Bell to some extent. He got a year off and still got a boatload of money, so it's not like uh, Le'Veon Bell is struggling or anything. It worked out for him. He got out of Pittsburgh. He's in a different place where he's going to carry the ball a lot. But for some of these guys, like Melvin Gordon, I don't see how this works for him. Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not really sure if he's going to get what he wants. And Jadavian Clowney, the same thing. Clowney's a really, really good player.
0: Why don't you think that they eventually will get what they want from somebody?
1: Because I think that if you're not a quarterback and you're not the best player in the league at your position, like Antonio Brown was or top five, then it's just going to be really difficult for you to hold the gun to the head of the organization and say, no, I'll I'll sit out, I'll leave. But Clowney is really, really good. But how many wins different are the Houston Texans without him? Is it even one? I'm not even sure that it's one.
0: I told you my theory about guys like Elliott and what um, Clowney's doing now and Gordon is doing now is this. For their sake, players need to... er at the next um, CBA, in the next couple of years, when that comes up, Matthew, they need to strike. Like football players have the worst deal; they don't have guaranteed contracts, they, they have short careers. The owners, um, the owners, financially, just abuse them. Basically, they use them up and abuse them, and don't care. So, I think what we're seeing here is the start of essentially what comes down to wildcat strikes by the best players, basically saying. I know I know that my brethren are never going to walk because let's say guys 35 through 53 on rosters can't afford to walk. They essentially probably live really well and paycheck to paycheck for the most part, not all. So I think what we're now seeing is agents and players saying, what's the next best step? And the next best step is to force teams' hands. And training camp is a great time to do it because guess what? More and more, you don't need training camp. Like training camps are... are I don't want to say the whole thing is meaningless, but we have seen, to your point, Sam Bradford gets traded here, steps in and yeah. plays. Um, For Jadavion Clowney, he probably doesn't need it to be this, a good football yeah, player this This, no, year. this yeah. notion that I need you here in late July to play parts of uh, at least three preseason games and I need you on the practice field is a bunch of BS. But I think we are seeing the best players finally start to say, I've got to come up with something different to get more because if I don't, I'm in a system that's going to use me up as, qu- as quickly as possible, probably give me a huge contract, and I'm going to see potentially a fraction of that, right? A fraction? And then I'm going to, to be done. So, so I see what the players are doing. The response to your question, I don't know if it works, but I think they're trying to think of something different. What I, what I end up thinking about is who's
1: smarter? Who's handling this better? The Minnesota Vikings players like Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Daniil Hunter, and Anthony Barr, who all just signed their deals and started to move on with their lives of playing for the Minnesota Vikings. Think about those circumstances one by one. Stefan Diggs could have hit free agency or been franchise tagged and forced their hand and sat out and played the whole game. And he could have gotten more money because he's 26 maybe or still 25 and is one of the best receivers in the league, and they would have paid him... $40 million more than the Vikings did for their deal. I think their deal is $75 million with him over five years. Somebody else would have paid more than that for Stephon Diggs. Adam Thielen, he could have easily held out of this camp for every dollar and said, look at my hundred and whatever catches last year compared to all these other guys. Look at the quarterback rating when Kirk Cousins throws my way. Look at these numbers. I am an elite receiver. Why don't you pay me even more than this? Daniel Hunter, at the time, he signs his deal. He's 24 years old. I wouldn't have signed and that signs. deal. By the way, I wouldn't have signed the, that deal. It's a, for a team perspective, it's the best value deal in the NFL yeah. for what he brings to his team. And Anthony Barr decides he's going to take less money to come back. And so you could look at it as, wow, these guys kind of screwed themselves by taking these team-friendly contracts. But at the same time... They're making their money. They're not sitting out. They're playing for their team. They're out on the field, and they're doing okay. Like they're, they're not, I don't think Stefan Diggs has any problem getting car insurance right with his current contract. And here's Jadavion Clowney, who certainly wants more money than Daniil Hunter got and is probably in the same ballpark in terms of being a great player, but he's sitting out. When he doesn't have any type of leverage, and here's Melvin Gordon the same way, they can find other running backs, but you're sitting out without any real leverage. So in a lot of ways, it reminds me of the um, deal or no deal game with the cases where someone would get up to like 20,000 and they would see, oh, well, that 100,000 case is still out there. Like, really? You showed up with nothing. So, But I see you, both sides If you here, take your 20000 But I 000, see both sides. No, I know. I, just, I wonder which side is the better way to do it, is is just to sign the contract that comes your way because you get uh, well, you know unbelievable what? amounts of money
0: for yourself, or is it to continue to fight and scrap for every dollar but sit out on the sideline? In fairness, I don't know how, how lots of teams work. The Vikings are very fair. The Vikings are, they are incredibly yeah. proactive. They make and sure the guys very, get their cash. Exactly, which is very fair. They're very smart. They're savvy. And basically, since the Wilfs bought the team in 2005, they've done a very good job of of hanging on to guys in their second contracts if they like them and they pay them well. So speaking from the Vikings' perspective, I do think that if you're an agent or player for them, you feel that they at least come close to taking care of you. I don't know that the rest of the league does that. And I just know that from these contracts, and we see these contracts, and, you know, they... Reported guy gets, you know, take your pick. Five years, $87 million, and then it turns out thirty is guaranteed. I'm not saying that's bad either, but I don't know. I, I definitely don't land on the side of the league completely because this league just basically uses these guys up as quickly as possible. And you know what? If I'm the 35th guy on a roster, okay, that's my problem, which is why I'm never going to strike. But if I'm a star player and I, I feel that I'm not being treated entirely fairly, what's the recourse here? You know, in baseball, you used to go out and strike. And, And baseball is now actually faced with its own CBA problems as well. But I don't know that every team treats players the same. And so I sort of get the path that we're going down here of star players if they don't feel like they're being compensated or treated fairly, at least saying, hold on here. And training camp is the perfect time to make a statement. Again, training camp as it's currently constructed is ridiculous.
1: So here's my question about the Vikings. I mean,
0: clearly they've avoided any
1: of this. And avoided controversy, really, altogether. It's kind of amazing for a franchise that has a grand history of being controversial.
0: Contractually, they've done great, great work for, what, 20-plus years now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since Brzezinski got here, they've been very smart.
1: They're as good as it gets when it comes to making sure that their players want to stay and that the contracts are structured well and everything else. But what I wonder about with Kyle Rudolph... Trying to play a little bit of hardball, and I don't think he won, but trying to play a little bit of hardball with the team this offseason is whether we're kind of in the last year of all these guys and their goodwill and signing the deals that they put on the table and not playing hardball. I wonder how much longer that lasts. I mean, if this team is really successful and they win 12 games and they go to the NFC Championship, then I think that there will be the same sort of vibe. It's like, stay here, it's great facilities, great place to live, the housing prices aren't high, which probably factors in when you're signing a contract, just of the cost of living and all that sort of thing. But if this team is just okay, if it's a first round out, if it's a missed playoffs 9-7 and seven or 8-8, eight and eight, then there are some players here that I wonder about how they're going to view their futures. And Anthony Barr is in great shape. He's locked up for a long time. But even someone like Stephon Diggs, how are you going to look at your future and the contract you signed? Because if they are just okay on offense and Stephon Diggs ends up with 100 catches and 1,200 yards and has a great year, I mean, we've seen that even if these guys sign contracts, they could come back and say, "Uh, actually, I don't want to play on that contract anymore. I'm going to hold out or or whatever else. And I point to him just because he's kind of the most obvious example. But they've built up an incredible goodwill within the building for players to want to stay. And when I look around the league and I see many other situations where players are saying, no, I'm going to fight for the very last dollar, I wonder how much longer that lasts
0: for the Vikings. I think the issue for this team w- will, not be, will not be guys on their second contracts becoming upset, Matthew. I think the issue, and this is going to be incredibly tough on Mike, but this is where you have to be smart. If the perception of aging players is they're done, they gotta go. yeah. they've got to go. Yeah, But they've got to yep. go. But, yep. but Mike's not good at that. Mike loves his guys. Like I think he genuinely... Harrison Smith is going to age here, and there's going to come a point where he just falls off a cliff. Xavier Rhodes might be falling off that cliff as we have this discussion. Yeah. And that's going to be but that's the point where you have to say to guys, we can't do this. Bringing back Griffin in some way shocked me because he he was not the same player when when he came back and no matter this is not a league where you can care about but he had issues. That's too. you make moves based on what can you do for me in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, I think the answer to your question is not it's not Are the young players on their second contracts going to become upset? They might. They might restructure them. I think the question is, as this group of Mike's guys start to age, they got to go. You can't be saying, wow, we just like you so much, here's three more years. If you do that, that is how you get yourself into a real problem.
1: Let's talk a little bit more about the Xavier Rhodes thing when we come back. And then Alex Boone is going to join us at 3 o'clock. I think that Alex Boone will be the largest man to ever broadcast from this stage.
0: What not you say? Mike Morris came up here a few years ago and he was a large man, but I think Boone is bigger. Boone is six eight. I think. yeah, Boone is Boone two is months. taller, might not be heavier yeah. at this point. Probably
1: two seventy five, maybe. Yeah, I think Morris went a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, All right. let's tallest uh, guy. Let's take a break. We'll have Alex Boone here in about twenty minutes. Matthew Collar, Judd Zelgad broadcasting from the Minnesota State Fair. We will return on Purple Daily. 244 here at score north time for the score north download hail rain or shine we'll still be out here at the state fair every weekday now until labor day the score north twin show at noon purple daily two to four mackie and judd with rami four to six p.m and you can find us off chamber street on the left edge of the grandstand we have our shows live noon to six every weekday from now until labor day and we also have our merchandise booth open 9 a.m to 9 p.m daily throughout the state fair show us your score north mobile app and you'll receive a $5 t-shirt. Also, we're donating all proceeds from the All Our Eyes t-shirts to Luis Our favorite charity, the Ronald McDonald House. We will be out here every day throughout the State Fair up until Labor Day. Come join us off Chamber Street on the left edge of the grandstand. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, I saw Alex Boone just walk by and power <laughs> over him. the rest of humanity. He was so- with Mackey, It looked like... Uh- I mean, Phil's not a big guy to start with. so uh, No, no, not at all. So he'll be up here in about uh, 20 minutes and tower over us and talk football. I'm excited about that. But, you know, we a little bit on the Purple Podcast after the game talked about what Xavier Rhodes looked like, and then we got into other stuff, Kirk Cousins, and things that we like to talk about at the fair. But I want to circle back to that, Judd. The way that he looked was the way that Terrence Newman looked in the preseason before he retired. Uh, there were two plays. One of them, Xavier was trying to run, and it just didn't look like even a normal Xavier Rhodes run. It looked like he was kind of loafing or that he just like couldn't accelerate, and some guy that I've never heard of just blew right by him. And then on another play, they threw to his man. The guy catches it. Rhodes goes to make a tackle and basically just falls down. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what they're thinking inside the building about Xavier Rhodes because you and I were out there and I haven't seen any of this during practice in training camp but in OTAs or mini camp we were out there and Xavier Rhodes was trying to clearly battle through injuries to keep practicing and he kneeled down on the sideline and he was upset and he was hobbling a little bit and I just wonder if last year And and really the year before, you think about how many games they've played. There's a reason why the New England Patriots are always letting players go after they go to the Super Bowl because they played so many freaking games that they look at – I think they look at some of their guys and say, you know what, you played a lot of games. You had a lot of football last year, and there's only so much that somebody can withstand. And when they got to the NFC Championship game – by that time, Rhodes looked like he was dinged up and slowed down. And then all of last year, he committed all more penalties than all but like three or four guys in the entire league. So that means getting burned and grabbing so you're not giving up big plays, which was a problem for him. Remember last year he got so frustrated at one point he kicked the flag and got a 15-yard penalty. Yep. And then there was the repeated injuries, the hamstring thing one game where he's got to come out and... Yeah, as great as he was in 2016 and 2017, and he was one of, in my mind, the top shutdown corners in the entire NFL. At this point, I have low confidence, Judd, that he can come back. And this is a thing that I don't think Mike Zimmer can just coach. I don't think no. he can just oh, let me just scheme up to make sure that you know it's going to be okay. And and there's a domino effect with a shutdown corner. That when you, and and this was like a Rex Ryan, Darrell Rivas thing, when you leave a guy out there at an island, Deion Sanders, same way, you can do so many things with the rest of your defense because one guy is just taken care of entirely and you know it. And I wonder about him and how it'll impact the defense if he is not the
0: same. If he looks like he did against Arizona, they are in trouble at that position. So I go back to 2018, last year. And for as frustrated as fans were with Rhodes' is down again, and, you know, he got up a lot, hobbled off, yep. missed came two back. plays, came yep. back. I get the frustration there, but the question becomes, if you're a fan, do you really think he purposely, like, goes down and wants to be hurt? Of course he oh, doesn't. Of course not. These yeah. things are adding up, right? And and in, I think it was 2017, that year, we went through the list of Wide receivers. Grade A wide receivers he faced. And he did a fantastic job. But guess what? That takes its toll. He's now played since, what, 2014? Yep. That 13, was, 14? Uh, 13 was when he okay. was drafted. Yep. 2013. He has now played how many games on turf? He's played the majority of his career or his games on turf. The point being is this, this is a league. And again, this is why guys in positions I think now skip training camp, and and hold out to try and force teams' hands, this is a league where you go off a cliff. It's not like baseball where you can gradually sort of just go a downward slope. Uh And I'm aging, and that's too bad, but I'll continue to play one more year. Football's a sport, especially at, like, linebacker and cornerback. Quarterback, probably not so much. Running back, where Matthew, you get to the cliff, you don't know it, and then you free fall off that that cliff. And, And I do think... I think in March when Zimmer brought up Rhodes and talked and talked about his contract and clearly ticked Rhodes off I think Mike really likes him and yes, I think this is absolutely. Mike and, and I think I think Mike in some in some ways I think he's a realist and in some ways I think he is a dreamer and I think his comments in Orlando were not really meant to dig at Rhodes as much as as many people thought I think that it was Mike's pie in the sky of oh I can fix this and to your point, I don't know he can. And, you, and if Rhodes is, is going off this cliff, by the way, the answer is he can't fix that. Do you think
1: when it comes to Mike Zimmer that he wears his anxieties on his sleeve? And sometimes it comes out as being overcritical of players, but it's really stuff he's worried about? Yes. Like when he said that uh, Anthony Barr had a tendency to coast, it, it's not untrue. And he kind of has at times throughout his career been inconsistent and where you wonder, hey, where was Anthony Barr in this big game where you needed him? Week 17, Kirk Cousins wasn't the only no-show on the Minnesota Vikings in Week 17. But do you wonder if it was, man, I drafted this guy and I love this guy and he's so smart and and he is, uh, Anthony Barr, and he just has these times where it doesn't look like he's – pushing as hard as he possibly could to make sure we win the game. And that's what he was nervous about. That's what he's worried about. And I think what he said with Xavier Rhodes, like, oh, we're paying a lot of money. You better play better. That, that he's concerned and is well aware of the fact that if Xavier Rhodes does not play like a shutdown corner or even an average shutdown corner, then you're looking at some major problems for his defense. And he did a great job last year of covering up with Holton Hill. Who's a very talented but not so smart off the field type of player, but I don't know who you're covering that up with this year. If he's hurt, if he's dinged up early, or if he isn't playing well early, there is nobody that you can go to and be sure that uh, it's going to work out. I mean, Mike Hughes just came off the pup list mm-hmm. just now. He's not going to play week one. Well, he's not going to play yeah. week two,
0: week three. He came off the pup, so he didn't have to be on it for six weeks. Exactly. All, all these stories that say, "Oh, good, he's off the pup. This is going to be great." No, he's they not. They come, had to do he's that. not coming back. They had to do. It. He he on the pup list to start the regular, regular season would have had to miss six weeks. I'm going to give you three names here. I'm going to give you three. names names Of Zimmer guys who, if they were Belichick guys, are gone. Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr calls from the Jets, the Patriots. They're going to say, see you. Bye. Thank you very much. Right? Cedric Griffin, or Cedric. Everson Griffin has no chance of coming back with Belichick. He was brought back (laughs) because Mike Lightfoot. Exactly. And the last name, Xavier Rhodes in Belichick's world is not a Patriot this season if he yeah. had been last year.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree on all three of those. And you know who was like this, too? And uh, guys were really hurt by it, of course. That, that's how it goes. But uh, in the a Football Life documentary on Bill Walsh, he, uh, uh, I think it was Randy Cross, told the story about Bill Walsh basically saying to him, yeah, this is about it for you. I think this is your last year. And which. You probably shouldn't say to a guy, but that's what he said. And, and Randy's like, what do you mean? I'm an all-pro or whatever. <laughs> I'm one of the best linemen in the league. I'm like, yeah, but you won't be two years from now. Yeah. And it is a cold and callous league. And when you mention that Zimmer can be a dreamer, him thinking he can fix these problems, this is not a fixable problem. This is the NFL, and you see Andrew Luck retire at 29. It's not a fixable problem when someone's body is broken down or when they've passed their prime. And I don't know about you, Judd. I cannot remember a single player... In the NFL, uh, I mean, I'll try, but I I can't think of anybody who I thought, oh man, they went off the edge of the age curve and then bounced back. I, I don't know in too. The NFL? I don't know too many. It's happened in baseball where guys have had sure. maybe a pop up season oh, yeah. after it looks like they're done. And I'm sure there's some quarterbacks
0: who have looked like they're kind of dusted. Yeah, and but I'm thinking like defensive players But give me a cornerback oof, who who man. bounced. I mean, Revis looked bad, and then came. But I think his role completely changed.
1: Yeah, they were using. as a part to safety. Yeah, right. Usually, that's what happens.
0: And hung on,
1: uh, yeah. but he got moved. Yeah, he got moved.
0: He didn't excel at cornerback after he started to fall but, off that left. After, after a guy was really toast, and then found a way
1: to hang on. I can't think of too many examples. I'm sure there are some, and maybe somebody can tweet. There's me also they can it. think of them. But but the point is that what are the odds that Griffin and Rhodes? both bounce back from having down years like that. And what you said about Harrison Smith is sort of the sneaky one that Harrison Smith has a lot of miles on his body and is not called the Punisher for no reason, right? Isn't that like, Or Harry the Hitman. Hitman. He's not called that for no reason. Yeah. He's called Harry the Hitman because he's very physical and he's gone through some injuries in his career too and did not have as great of a year last year as he had in 2017. And that is one that we'll go back to both on Zimmer and the front office is how age might impact this defense. Oh, we have an Alex Boone now standing over me, towering over me. You know that you patting me on the back is like being punched by a regular human oh, being, right?
0: Yeah. Sorry. Those those mitts weigh a lot. Bryant McKinney right. <laughs> once once gently shoved me from the back. I flew across the room. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not that small. I I, interviewed, I flew across the darn room.
1: I interviewed Linval once, and he just patted me on the back and I, like <laughs> moved me forward. I'm like, okay, Linval, please. Uh, I'm a, I'm yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a regular. Okay, I'm a regular human. All right. <laughs> We'll take a quick break. Alex Boone, former Vikings guard, will come up with us next, and uh, we want to discuss some offensive line play. We got some concerns, so we're going to talk about those along with. um, I want Alex to pick the Vikings' schedule, so we're going to do that as well and have some fun with Alex Boone from the Minnesota State Fair. We'll be right back here on Score North
0: this holiday. Whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth turkey for forty or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone free pickup on orders of $35 or more restrictions may apply
1: get more ways to save at the buy 5 or more save $1 each sale just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card Fred Meyer, fresh
0: for everyone at the Home Depot we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical